Uh, we are still in our series entitled The Unknowns. We are looking at some of the lesser-known people in the Bible or people maybe you don't remember reading about, you just kind of glossed over when you saw their name and you just didn't pay much attention to them. We're looking at those people, those people don't remember reading about. You, like always, if you miss any of these sermons, you can find a link to them on our website, gatheringatl.com. It would help if I turned on the mic up here. But I still don't think it's working. But uh, today, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Simon. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. So you can go ahead and open your Bible to the book of Acts and go there on your phone. Uh, it's in the New Testament. Simon was also known as Simon the Sorcerer. Simon faced some serious disappointment in the passage we're about to read because he discovered what he thought wasn't actually true. So often, that's why we experience disappointment, right? We think we know what should happen. We think we know what is best for us. We think we know what the outcome should be. We think we know something only to find out that we actually don't have a clue what we're talking about, right? I remember being in school and being disappointed when I saw the score on some tests that I took, right? There were times when I just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I crushed that test only to find out I got a C. Uh, and those were the good days, right? I can also think of jobs that I've had where I was convinced that this was as good as it's going to get and I'm going to ride this job into the sunset, right? This is the rest of my life. It's only uphill from here, right? And then I lost that job. Talk about disappointment. I had my life figured out, and that job was a huge part of the future I saw for myself. But then it was gone. Disappointment, right? What I thought was written in stone was actually written in jello, right? I just coined that, that, that phrase. You can use it. What I thought was written in stone was written in jello, which means it wasn't going to last, right? But I didn't know that. I had hung my hat on that job. In my mind, this was the beginning of the rest of my life, and I was convinced about it. And so when it ended, it felt like the world had been flipped upside down, right? It rocked my world. And after a while, I figured out why. My disappointment was brought about by placing my trust in something that could be taken away in a moment instead of learning more about and living solely for Jesus. Because this is what I've discovered in my life. The more I keep my eyes on Jesus, the less likely I'm going to be disappointed in life. Why? Because Jesus never disappoints. So I want to talk about disappointments today, why we are disappointed, and what we need to do about it. And so look at Acts chapter 9 with me, or I'm sorry, chapter 8, starting in verse 9. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9. It says, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. 
he began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard uh, that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had, had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held uh, captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Now I want to give you a little bit of background on what's happening before we get to Simon. The book of Acts comes right after the four Gospels. And at the beginning of Acts, we see Jesus return to heaven after his resurrection. And then in chapter 2, we have that famous story of the Holy Spirit coming down, right? That story of the disciples having the, the holy flame above their heads and, and speaking in different tongues. We call that day Pentecost, and we celebrate it as the, the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, right? We also see the disciples, they begin to preach, and, and Peter was the first one who, who preached. In chapter 2, Peter preaches his very first sermon, and over 3,000 people are saved. So after this, the church begins to, to form, and people begin to evangelize. And Peter, uh, Peter and some of the other disciples, they begin healing people. And so the gospel is being preached, and, and people are being healed. Miracles are still happening. Miracles did not end after Jesus went back into heaven. Miracles were still happening. And maybe you need to, to hear this today. Miracles are still happening today. All right, Miracles happen today. Today, you may know today that the only way out of your situation is a miracle. I want you to hear me, church. Miracles still happen today, so keep praying and keep believing because a miracle could be coming your way. So the disciples in the church, they were seeing these miracles. They were seeing amazing things. And then we get to chapter 8. And right before this, we, we have the story of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Stephen was stoned for his faith, and, and one of the witnesses was a man by the name of Saul, who would eventually be saved, change his name to Paul, and become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. But after the stoning of Stephen, the believers began to scatter out of fear. And one of those believers was a guy by the name of Philip. And Philip went to Samaria. Now, remember, the Jewish people hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated the Jewish people. But that relationship did not stop Philip from going to the Samaritans and telling them about Jesus. Now, I, I could spend an entire sermon on this, but I just want to say something really quickly about this. Philip knew how Samaritans felt about Jesus. And so it would have been completely understandable if he had thought, I won't bother going to Samaria and telling them about Jesus because they hate us and we hate them. There is no way they would ever allow me to share Jesus with them. They wouldn't be interested in that at all, right? It had been very easy for Philip to assume that, but he didn't. He went to Samaria, and I want you to look at what Luke said in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 8, and verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people 
there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evils were cast, evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victim. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. It says crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs. See, the, the assumption would have been they would never want to hear about this Jewish Messiah. But the reality was the, the exact opposite. Had Philip operated out of the assumption, none of those evil spirits would have been cast out. None of the paralyzed would have walked again. You see, church assumptions are dangerous things. When we assume people already know Jesus, when we assume people would never want to be stopped and to be told about Jesus, when we assume people would laugh at us if we asked to pray for them, when we operate out of assumptions, we stand in the way of what Jesus wants to do in someone's life. Our assumptions can keep people held in bondage. Our assumptions can keep people in their suffering. Our assumptions can send people straight to hell. Philip never let assumptions stop him. He was called to Samaria, and he went, and he found receptive people. One of those people was Simon the sorcerer. He was a magician, and apparently a very good one. He was so good that people called him the great one, the, the power of God. The people were convinced that the only way he could do what he was doing was because God was working through him. And because he was so good, the people would hang on every word that he said. Right? He was mesmerizing. Now, Simon's magic was more than what most magicians did. It could be argued, and I believe it to be true, that Simon was actually performing black magic or witchcraft. This means it wasn't God who was giving him power, but it was Satan. Now, our culture, in our culture, we tend to, to laugh off any notion of black magic or witchcraft as nothing more than illusions or misunderstandings. However, in most parts of the world, black magic and witchcraft are known to be real things. The church in Venezuela, which we, which we support through our partnership with Venezuela now, does battle against witchcraft and black magic almost every week. Churches in Venezuela have come under attack by local witches. Recently, Pastor uh, Alexander Camacho, who is pastor of Leem's home church, took over after her dad came to the United States. He reported there were 30 witches doing incantations in front of his church, cursing the church. Why? Because the church had been engaged in door-to-door -door witnessing and evangelism and conversions. See, the church was taking back the territory of Satan, and it upset the witches. And so they would meet at 4 a.m., and they would pray, and they would go out and witness again. So Simon was most likely using power given to him by Satan. Now, while Satan can do what God does, or he can't do what God does, he can do things that make you think he's God, right? Or make you think it's God moving in your life. Satan is a great imposter, right? Countless people have done horrible things because they are uh, convinced they're listening to God when they're listening to Satan. And so the Samaritan people, they saw Simon do incredible things. Things they assume could only be done by a man of God. This still happens today, right? The less we know about Jesus, the more likely we are to believe the lies of the enemy. The Samaritans did not know the Lord, and because they didn't know the Lord, they fell for a cheap invitation. And Simon was enjoying 
the life this gave him. Right? He was not only popular, but he was also powerful. As I said earlier, people listened to anything he said because they were mesmerized by his magic. This also tells us that Philip was not just walking into a new area to share the gospel. He was walking into a stronghold of Satan. Right? Simon's magic was more than just a show he did on the street corner. Simon would have been seen as a healer. People would have, have come to him in order to be healed. And Simon would use demonic power and, and trickery to convince people that they were healed. And so Philip was walking into enemy territory. Philip was walking in to a land of lies and deceptions. But Philip was, wasn't walking in unarmed. He was walking in filled with the Holy Spirit. And because Philip was full, full of the Holy Spirit, he preached boldly. And crowds were saved and, and crowds were baptized. The people of Samaria went from being bewitched by the darkness to surrendering to the light. The people of Samaria went from living in the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The people of Samaria went from living in the lies of the devil to living in the truth of Jesus. The Bible tells us that even Simon, the sorcerer, was caught up in all of this. Verse 13 says, even Simon himself believed. It goes on to say he was baptized and he went on to travel around with Philip. However, when we keep reading, we can see that Simon's salvation might not have been sincere. Verse 13 gives us the first hint of trouble for Simon. It says, then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. He was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Right after this, we read that the apostles, uh, when the apostles heard about the conversions of the Samaritans, uh, when that word reached Jerusalem, they decided to send Peter and John, the A-team, right? They sent Peter and John to Samaria to check it out, to see what's happening there. And when Peter and John got on the scene, they realized that people had not received the Holy Spirit. It then says that Peter and John laid hands upon the people, and they received the Holy Spirit. And watching this was Simon. Notice that. Watching this was Simon. Verse 18 says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when people laid hands, or when Simon saw the, people, the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people. That implies that Simon was not in the group that had hands laid on them. This means he was not in the group that received the Holy Spirit. He stood to the side and he watched. And when he saw the people filled with the Holy Spirit, he was amazed. Now understand what's happening. There were no tongues of flame over the people's heads when they received the Holy Spirit. Right? There were no doves that appeared in the sky when they received the Holy Spirit. There was no voice calling down from heaven announcing that these people were now full of the Holy Spirit. And yet Simon could easily tell these people had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, it is visible to the people around us. They may not know who the Holy Spirit is, but they can see his work in us. It was clear to Simon that something happened when Peter and John laid their hands on people. And it was clear to Simon he could do some pretty amazing things with that kind of power. And it's here that we truly begin to question Simon's salvation, or at least his understanding of salvation. See, Luke clearly writes, Simon was saved. However, it also appears Simon was only focused on the signs and wonders. And it's here we zero in on the root of Simon's disappointment. 
It's one thing to love what Jesus does. It's another thing to love Jesus. Hear me, church. It's one thing to love what Jesus does. It's another thing to love Jesus. Those are two very different things. This weekend, the Braves took over first place for the first time all season and then quickly gave it up last night. But for a moment, they were in first place. Right? Since 1991, we have become pretty spoiled when it comes to professional baseball in, in the city of Atlanta. I mean, yeah, they only have two championships in that time, but almost every year since 1991, the Braves have been one of the best teams in baseball. But I'm old enough to remember when that wasn't the case. Right? Some of y'all remember the days of Dale Murphy and Bob Horner back in the 80s. I'm old enough to remember when the old Fulton County Stadium was mostly empty, right? I have a distant cousin uh, who used to be in charge of the ushers at Fulton County Stadium. And when my dad was young, our cousin would get him into the stadium for a game. And my dad said he could pretty much sit anywhere he wanted to in Fulton County Stadium because the place was empty. It was a ghost town. My maternal grandfather was probably the biggest Braves fan I've ever known. While he didn't go to many games, he watched every Braves game on TV. He was a former minor league pitcher, and so he loved baseball. And as far as I know, the Braves were on TV. My Papa Barry was watching. He loved the Braves. He loved the Braves regardless of what they did on the field. You could never call my grandfather a fair-weather fan. He stood by the Braves through thick and thin. He loved the Braves because they were his team. Now, today it's easy to love the Braves because of what they do on the field. But what about when they aren't any good? That's bound to happen. One of these days days, the Braves are going to turn into the Falcons, right? They're not going to be any good. Sorry, sorry. Let's just be honest about it, though, all right? But will you love them then? Simon loved what the Holy Spirit did. But did he love the Holy Spirit? When your love is tied only to someone's actions, you're going to have a very hard time loving that person for very long. See, my love for my children has nothing to do with their behavior. I love my kids regardless of their behavior. But you better behave, right? <laughs> Simon loved the signs and wonder. Simon loved the display of power. But did he truly love Jesus? Look at what Simon asked in verse 19. When Simon saw the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. See, Simon saw something that he could not explain. He saw power that was beyond him, and he had to have it. And he thought he could buy it. Simon thought earthly money could buy supernatural power. But he was about to be greatly disappointed. Verse 20 says, But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. You see, a lack of, disappoint, a lack of understanding led to great disappointment for Simon. I think this is the reason many of us get disappointed throughout life. Right? We think we understand something. We think we know how something should work, how something should play out. And then when it doesn't 
happen just as we think it should, we get disappointed. See, our disappointments are tied to our expectations. Simon expected to be able to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. That expectation led to disappointment. When our expectations for life don't pan out the way we think they should, we get disappointed. That job I mentioned in the beginning, I thought would be the door to a life of comfort and success. Less than three years after being hired, I was let go. And for over a year, I lived in disappointment. Why? Because I was looking to a situation to bring me joy instead of looking at Jesus. Simon was mesmerized by the signs and the wonders and never actually looked at the person behind the signs and wonders. One preacher used the analogy of trying to get a baby to look at something. All the parents will know what this is like. Suppose you have a one-year-old child sitting on your lap, and suddenly in the window there's a beautiful bird, and you hold out your hand to point at the bird and say, look at the bird. What does the child look at? He looks at your hand and the sign you're making with your fingers. He might even try to imitate the sign by putting out his index finger. He sees the sign. He's excited because you're excited. He joins in imitating the sign as best he can, but the problem is he never sees the bird. The whole point of the sign is missed. This is what is happening to Simon the magician in Acts chapter 8. Simon was disappointed because he was focused on the miracles and not on Jesus. So often we're focused on what Jesus has done that we lose focus on what Jesus wants to do. We see how Jesus moves in other situations, and we assume he'll move in the same way in our situation. We know Jesus healed others on this side of eternity, but when our loved one isn't healed on this side of eternity, we get disappointed, right? We've seen others set completely free from their addictions, and yet we still have to wrestle with ours every single day, and so we get disappointed. We see, we see Jesus do something for one person, and we assume he'll do the exact same thing for us. And when he doesn't, we complain and question him. But when our focus and our love is on Jesus and Jesus alone, then whatever he does is okay with us. Because we know that everything he does is perfect. When Jesus doesn't move in our situation the way we think he should, we don't need to get disappointed, church. We need to see it as an opportunity to see Jesus do a perfect thing in our situation. That's where our faith meets the real world. When Jesus doesn't do what we expect, how do we respond? When our plans don't work out the way we think they should, how do we respond? Peter said that Simon was full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. I think jealousy is often at play in our lives when we expect Jesus to, to, uh, to do things in our lives that he did in someone else's life, right? Because we want what they got, right? We play keeping up with the Joneses with Jesus, right? Hey, you did this to the neighbor. We want that too, Jesus. But we never stop to think that maybe Jesus has something even better for us. But because we're focused on our expectations, we miss out on what Jesus wants to do in our lives. Too often we tie our happiness and comfort to things happening in a certain way. And unless they happen exactly as we expect, then we get disappointed. I've seen it. Disappointment has destroyed. So many people's faith. We think we know how things should work out, and so we just sit back and we just wait for it to happen. But it's not how Jesus 
wants to move in our lives. And so we just think Jesus is ignoring us, right? We say, Jesus, this is what I want you to do. And so we just sit back and wait for him to do it, and he doesn't do it. Well, he must be ignoring me. Something's wrong with Jesus. That must be. Or, you know what? He's too busy for me right now. And so because we're so locked into how we think things should happen, we sit back and we wait. When Jesus doesn't show up the way we think, we lose our faith. See, the disappointment can destroy our faith. It can keep us from seeking Jesus. It can keep us from paying, uh, praying. It can keep us from experiencing, experiencing the presence of God. All because we were so sure of our own thinking. Church, the only way, the only thing we are called to be sure of is this. Jesus Christ is Lord. The only thing you are called to be sure of is Jesus Christ is Lord. When we proclaim him Lord of our lives, it means we are willing to accept however he wants to move in our lives. This allows us to say, no matter what happens in my life, Jesus is still Lord. If I'm healed in this life or not, Jesus is still Lord. If Jesus moves how I expect or he moves in some other way, Jesus is still Lord. When I'm up, Jesus is still Lord. When I'm down, Jesus is still Lord. You see, disappointments do not need to be a dead end for you. Disappointments can be a door for you to discover a, a new thing about Jesus. If he isn't giving you what you're expecting, then maybe you should be thankful. It might just mean he's got something better for you. <laughs> Hear me, church. He's still Lord. He's still for you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is still with you. One pastor has said disappointment can cause you to, you to set your expectation at the level of your experience and miss the purpose of God in your life. Disappointments can cause you to set your expectation at the level of your experience and miss the purpose of God in your life. Simon's life experience told him that the miracles were nothing but tricks, and he completely missed what God was trying to do. Are your expectations leading you to miss what Jesus is doing in your life? Are your expectations keeping you locked in disappointment? That is not Jesus' will for your life. I've known too many people who are in a prison of disappointment. And I look at them and say, but do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you know he's a chain breaker and he sets prisoners free. Too many of you are asking Jesus to do in your life what he did in someone else's life when you shouldn't be inviting him to do whatever he wants in your life, however he wants to do it. While I will celebrate every miracle Jesus does in your life, I will not let, let what he did in your life lead me to box him in when it comes to my life. Simon thought he understood what was happening. He had no clue. Some of you are disappointed because you thought you knew how things were going to play out. You thought you knew how things were supposed to go. You thought you knew exactly what Jesus would do in your life. You're disappointed today because you had wrong expectations. While Jesus may do in your life the exact thing he did in someone else's life, what if he doesn't? How's your faith then? Is your faith strong enough to let him be Jesus and let him do whatever he wants to do? Is your faith strong enough to trust Jesus that he has something better for you, even if he doesn't move exactly how you think he should? 
you lost your faith a little bit because of some disappointment? Have you been angry at Jesus because of your disappointment? If you know you've been living in the prison of disappointment, I want you to hear me today. I say this lovingly. It's time to repent. It's time to repent of that. Just as Simon did. Simon repented because he realized that he had gotten it all wrong. He thought it was all about the signs and the wonders, and he missed that it's all about Jesus. The signs and wonders may change, church, but Jesus will not. Have you been locked in disappointment because Jesus didn't do what you wanted him to do? Have you been locked in disappointment because you expected him to do something in your life he did in someone else's? Today is the day to repent of that. Today is the day to tell Jesus, Lord, while I want you to move in certain ways in my life, what I want more is for you just to move in my life. I want your kingdom come. I want your will be done however you want to do it. I'm not going to look at someone else's life and expect that from my life. I'm going to look at someone what you did in someone else's life. I'm going to celebrate that. And that's going to tell me that you can do miraculous things. But I'm just going to let you do whatever you want to do in my life. No matter what it looks like. Are you ready to be set free from disappointment? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing one more song. If today you're dealing with some disappointment, whether it's with the Lord or with your spouse or with a friend or a neighbor or a child, I want to invite you to come forward and let me pray with you. I invite you to lay it down today, to give Jesus your disappointment. To say, Lord, I, I was expecting this so much, and when it didn't happen, I got disappointed. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And then turn your eyes to him. Turn your eyes to him. Just keep your eyes on him. And I promise you, you will avoid most disappointments in life. So if you need to come forward and pray with me, I invite you to come. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. You are faithful. You are a faithful God. You are a God who wants to move in our lives. You're, you are a God who wants to do things in our lives. But Lord, so often we think we know best. So often we think we understand how things should play out. And so we just come to you and say, Lord, this is how you need to do it. Lord, I saw you do this in this relationship or this marriage or this family. So I need you to do the exact same thing in my family. And you're sitting up there, Lord, going, no, 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 no. I got something better for you. I got something unique for you. We don't ever get there, Lord. We just hold you in this little box and when things don't happen the way we think we get, we get disappointed or maybe we look to other people to be our source of joy and we're wrestling today because we're disappointed someone let us down someone did something that they we never thought they would do someone did something they said they wouldn't do we're disappointed the reason we're disappointed today, Lord, is because we've looked to them for joy and meaning when it should be you and you alone that we look to. And so, Lord, today we repent of taking our eyes off of you, trying to control our situation, looking to others to bring us joy. We just want to turn our eyes back to you this morning. And so, Lord, I just want to focus on you. I want to focus on you. And I invite you to do whatever you want to in my life. Whether it's something you did in someone else's life or not, it doesn't matter to me. 
I just want you. I want you. For the soul in the name of Jesus.